0: Hello again, friends. It's Eric Hulkerin and another episode of Behind the Headlines. On this episode, we talk to Bob Johnson, who's a reporter out of Saginaw, about diversity in journalism.
1: You know, being a reporter in the community, especially a black reporter in the community, myself, another reporter here in in Saginaw, we did all of these events every time something happens, And we, you know, we have to defend the company. Because um, the community might see see it in one way, but since we know you, since we know our industries, and we know our company, we know that it was unintentional. But at the same time, these type of things continue to happen, and so after a while, people don't want to keep hearing the you know the excuses that we give them, and so at some point, you know, we we got to start bringing it up and saying, look, these. These are problems here. These are what people, um, this, is, this is how they perceive us right now.
0: So let's jump into the discussion. My co host, as always, Vice President of Content, John Heiner. John, how are you, my friend? Eric, I am doing very well, my friend. Um, here we
2: are, uh, comets streaking through the sky, five different planets in retrograde what else could go wrong in 2020, right? right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> we, we, of course, uh, don't need to tell our listeners that we have had some really weighty topics. Um, a lot of really weighty news that's happened this year. Um, and it's, of course, our job as journalists to get in and tell a substance of these stories and tell how it matters in people's lives. But at the same time, we also have to put a, a mirror up and look at ourselves and look at how we operate as well. And, you know, one of the Obviously the biggest stories it's ongoing. It's it's really as America, you know, kind of dividing into camps, unfortunately. But it's the social justice movement that we haven't seen in America since, you know, the sixties, this kind of movement and action. We got statues coming down, we have, you know, companies making giant uh, commitments to diversity. Uh we have a lot of ongoing discussion um in every forum in America, and we're no different as a news organization. And uh we have to reflect our communities. Uh, we have to look inward at ourselves and challenge assumptions we've made or traditional ways that we've presented news. And so, you know, today I wanna talk a little bit about a couple important things that MLive is doing that our readers will notice if they have not already noticed and it will start affecting the way that we present news about our communities and our state to reflect that better. Um, and I have someone with us today to, to share this topic. It's a reporter in Saginaw, a lifelong resident of Saginaw, Bob Johnson, who is a part of internal discussion groups we're having with our own employees so that we can do these things thoughtfully and do them right. So welcome, Bob. It's great to have you on Behind the Headlines. Thanks for having me. And Bob will know, because he's been a part of these discussions, uh, what I'm about to announce, but starting this week, MLive is going to discontinue the routine use of police mugshots and stories that we run. And I look forward to, to kind of breaking down this whole conversation with Bob and you today, Eric, and why we're doing that. And also back at the beginning of, of June, June or mid June, uh, we changed the way that we present the word black and our stories, when we refer to the black culture, black people, black communities, and we started capitalizing the B in black. This was in tandem with what also was happening in the industry at the time. Uh, The Associated Press, which is sort of the standard bearer for for newspaper style, uh, made a decision at the same time to capitalize black and all their stories. Eventually, most major news organizations did the same thing. Uh, This was the recommendation of the National Association of Black Journalists. And at the time that decision was made by the AP, we were having the same internal discussions or moving towards doing the same thing. I have heard from some readers uh, who noticed that and thought it was a racially divisive thing to do but um, and we can explore again our reasons for doing that today but Bob you sit in an employee discussion group we have that has been looking at our styles and our standards and the way we present this kind of information and you know maybe from an employee perspective and also as a resident of the community that you've grown up in can you talk a little bit about why these things are important?
1: I, I had some discussions over the weekend with uh, people, readers. Uh, you know, I get engaged on Facebook about things as it relates to journalism and, you know, how sometimes people do not understand journalism. And so I, I had this conversation with the with a person over the weekend about mugshots. And uh, they had an interesting perspective on it. Um, it was a... It was a black lady, um, and she and she just she just she was upset, and she said, "Why do we always report all this bad news and use all, all these mug shots of minorities and, and black people and, and, and minority people all the time?" and um, and, and and so I just I, I kind of asked her, like, "So what will we use in place of that?" and she said how she actually said, How about not using mugshots at all? She 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 just kinda of told me like what what happens when these people are not um convicted of a crime? You know, what happens if they are like exonerated? What happens if, you know, the charges are dropped? Now that their uh, mug mugshots are um always associated, you know, to this crime now. And you know, I thought about that a little bit. And um and, say, and there are a lot of minorities, you know, um, who mugshots are being used, you know, over, over any other race. Say so anytime you look, it's going to always, like, eight times out of ten, it's going to be a minority mugshot, which feeds into the stereotype that minorities are, you know, criminals or, you know, I don't know, savages and, you know, all this stuff. And these are words. Um, and so I thought about that a little bit and I, and it's just, it was just running through my head that I'm, I'm being on this podcast. So I get to share something that, that, that she saw, you know, from, from her perspective. And in my head, I, I was thinking to myself, because I'm thinking from, from a journalist angle, like, what are we going to use instead of mug shots? You know what I mean? So, um, so we had that conversation. That was kind of interesting. Um. Capitalizing black, um, uh, uh, a true story. When I first came into journalism, and you remember John, I, I when I was a, uh, an intern, and we had our old office. Well, our new old office. <laughs> 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 we, we
2: do move around a little bit.
1: Um, um, I always wanted to either use African American, but the the, the standard. For my people's black. And so I always kinda of wonder well, why is it not capitalized? It you know, I in, in my head it, it should always have been capitalized. But mm-hmm. over time I just I got used to it and, you know, with everything else in journalism, you just kinda of get used to the style. Um so um I, I will I, I was will stop so kinda of happy to see that see that change.
2: I will say this about journalism I've I've been in journalism for almost forty years. It's a very hidebound tradition-based. We do things the same way. We do them every day on deadline. We, And, and I think we start to take things um, for granted the way that we do them is the right way to do them. But the fact is society changes, societal norms change. And, you know, like, you know, the arc of justice, as Martin Luther King said, you know, it, it's it's slow, but it bends towards the right thing. And, you know, at one time, if you watch, you know, Kill a Mockingbird or some of the old cultural things, you'll see the use of colored or Negro or whatever. These things change. Uh, at one time, we just said Indians, you know, then it's Native Americans. And now we're down to using tribal names that, that the tribes themselves identify themselves as. In Alaska, it's Alaska Natives. And in uh, uh, Canada's First People. I mean, so we respect the cultural uh, preferences of these groups. And um, when it came to capitalizing Black, I think we just hadn't put the thought into it to have these thoughtful discussions. We'd always capitalized Asian, Asian Americans, um, and it, it was just the norm. Well, we need, as you see across society, norms are being challenged, norms are being broken. Um, and the, the, this is a good thing, I think. I will say when it comes to the AP- Style book last year when they changed drive through to THRU. I almost lost my mind, <laughs> but you know, you got to roll with it sometimes. I'm an old dog,
1: yeah. Things change. Um, uh, I go back and I, I, I look at some movies, read old, older books, and some of the language and some of the things that you see in these movies and books. You, you I, I'm like, oh wow, like we actually used to think like this Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, the, the whole George Floyd, um, death, it sparked something in America, um, where I think we, we've been in the curve, a curve right now. And, um, and really starting to look at, you know, um, life through the lens of, you know, being a minority. You know, um, it's, it's kind of like, uh, now people kind of get why um, Kaepernick took a knee. You know, at first it was like, why is he taking a knee? He's unpatriotic. And now it's like a lot of people are getting that. And, and so and, and in my eyes, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a good thing. Um, because we can't always stay stuck in our ways. You know, mm-hmm. we can't get changed if, if we're always looking at things the way that they are and, and just think this is how it should
2: be. You know, so well we're storytellers. So there's always a narrative, and you mentioned Kaepernick, and I think the thing that's interesting about that is when he first took the knee, the narrative was being driven by the president, some media outlets, that this was disrespectful to the flag, to the military veterans, so da, 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 da and Here we are a couple years later, and the perspective shifts, and it's like crystal clear what the issue really was, right? And the narrative has changed. And one thing as journalists, uh, yes, we have to be objective, fair, balanced, find the truth, tell both sides. But at the same time, we're responsible for telling the truth in a situation. And the narrative becomes important of what is really trying to be portrayed by the person who's portraying it, what's really happening in the streets. So the same thing could be said for what's happening in society and giving a voice to people who haven't had a voice. And so yes. I want to get into that with you in a little bit too, how we portray our communities, but first I want to go back to the mugshot and some of the deliberations of what we were thinking in terms of uh, eliminating uh, the routine use of mugshots. I do want to say yes. right here, we will use mugshots in certain situations. A public official who is uh, you know, charged with corruption or breach of trust or malfeasance, who's in a very um, you know, high profile role or, uh, of public trust, a fugitive situation where we need to know what the person looks like. Who's, you know, an Amber alert or a, you know, a murder, and a bank robbery. Um, so we're going to take it case by case, but to Bob's point, what was happening is especially in, um, high crime communities or where there's disproportionate amount of minorities, uh, over time, predominantly, you're going to see minority faces in the mugshots and, uh, they're not always serious crimes. It's, What we ended up doing, and I don't want to say we're we're lazy, was just what we were used to doing, is if the police agency handed you a mugshot, you used it. You know, sometimes you didn't get a mugshot. How often did we say, hey, is that person white or black? (laughs) When we didn't get one. Um, But we were using what was given to us, and that varied by jurisdictions. So one police department in a city would give you mugshots, but the sheriff's department wouldn't, or the state police wouldn't, or this prosecuting office wouldn't. And so it was hit or miss, so that wasn't a very thoughtful approach. And second, to Bob's point, when you have minor crimes and your face is attached, the Internet era has changed the calculus for your ability to be forgotten, <laughs> for your ability to make a mistake when you're young. Um, and Bob, you know this because you're in Saginaw, but Stacy Swimp has led that effort for Ban the Box, uh, where he was, went around to, to communities. So yeah part well, of that. that's great because the box is the box on a, a job application that says have you ever been convicted of a felony and you check that box it's like a death sentence for your career <laughs> so that's the same it's it's not the same as the decisions we're making but it's in this it's the same frame of mind of that right to be forgotten and one of the things we've seen a really uh, massive uptick in in Live is requests from people to take stories down that were written eight, 10 years ago about minor crimes that Google will find mm-hmm. <laughs> no yep. matter, you can't hide it. And so we looked at this with this new emphasis on social justice questions. What could we do to reflect a, the truth about our communities
0: and to be fair because ultimately we have to be fair in the
2: way we present news.
0: And so Bob and, and John, me being the outsider in this conversation, you know, what what are those first meetings about if they're even meetings or if they're emails back and forth or if it's Microsoft team? Like, what is the impetus that starts this conversation that ultimately comes to this decision? Well, we have very
2: engaged, smart, caring uh, reporters. And you remember, we had the three reporters or two reporters, a photographer from Kalamazoo. Talking about what it was like to be in Kalamazoo. They live in Kalamazoo when the protests happen and the violence. Uh, our employees live in these communities. Our employees, as Bob said, he was having a conversation with a lady in his neighborhood or in his community. And so, thankfully, our employees bring a lot of these issues up. Um, it's not, you can't always be top down. We're all very busy. We're, we're overtaxed. We don't have enough people. <laughs> so, These thoughtful kind of things often come from our our own employees themselves, raising questions about uh, what's fair, representation in our stories. I know that some of the discussions about getting more diverse sources in our stories started with employees. And Kelly Kelly Frick, our Senior Director of News, uh, um, put together, you know, she's getting the feedback through her managers and through our hubs because we take hub visits, we take questions from our employees. But as we heard these questions coming up about fairness, the way we do our jobs, and they weren't always in the same theme, a lot of them are scattered ideas. We start to put this idea together that um, with changes in society, and with thankfully the younger employees that were coming who are millennials um, into our workforce who are a little more thoughtful about these things and progressive, we have to reflect both our communities and our employee base. So a discussion group was put together uh, to talk about diversity issues, but also a styles and standards committee, which is that's a professional obligation we have anyways, is to talk about changing styles, not just Associated Press style, but the way that we present our news and and M Live in our communities. And those were really employee driven discussions. And maybe Bob, you can share what it's like to be in some of those discussion groups, and uh, you know the range of topics that come up and the freedom to discuss them.
1: So um, I, the diversity committee, an uh, unofficial committee between uh, with reporters and managers um, to discuss these type of issues. And these issues came up, Eric, because, um, you know, being a reporter in the community, especially a black reporter in the community, myself, another reporter here in, in Saginaw, we get all of these complaints every time something happened and we you know we have to defend the company um because um the community might see see it as one way but since we know news since we know our industry, since we know our company we know that it was unintentional but at the same time these type of things continue to happen and so after a while people don't want to keep hearing the you know the excuses that we give them and so at some point you know we we got to start bringing it up and saying, "Look, these are problems here. These are what people. Um, this is this is how they perceive us right now." And you know, of course, we're not the community's personal um, relations or PR team, right? We we have to hold up a mirror to the community. But there are some instances where we could do things a little better, or um, or you know, for example you know, um, big events that happen in in our community. The the ones that get covered are the ones that, that get covered for the last decade or two decades or three decades. Everybody knows this event. However, you know, as times change, different organizations pop up and different organizations have events and those events don't get covered and they might be minority events. And um, so of course they, they you know, people come to us and say, So why you guys not covering our event, but you gave, you know, all of the press. You had three photographers and and, and two journalists, two reporters at the KCQ Country Fest. But, you know, the Black Arts Festival, you know, you sent one reporter for an hour and we got like a picture, you know. um, It's little things like that. And it's like, you know, you got to explain that. And, you know, it's unintentional. These are things that, you know, we usually cover anyway. Um and it's just I'm just glad that we have this committee now because now we can um, we can talk about how to better cover the things that's going on in our community and reflect reflect our community. Um, before I joined the, the trending team, um, and when I was a local reporter with Saginaw, um, uh, there was uh, maybe ten Hispanic leaders. They came. They asked for for a meeting with me, and they they want they sat down with me. They came into the hub, they sat down with me, and they just said, "Look, we do a lot of things in our community too. We just feel like that we're not being represented right." And um, and they just and I, you know, I told them my process. I told them my process, and they told me a list of things that they do and people who are available if we need to speak to anyone. Um, and we had a nice conversation and up until that point, you know, um, I didn't get it at first. It was just something that, you know, you do you do news, you do news, you do news, and you just try to, you know, get your story out there. And uh, you don't you know I I wasn't really thinking about, okay, let me diversify the story a little bit. But they they made, they opened my eyes to that. They 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 made me see that. You know, that, you know. Of course, me being a, a, a black man, of course I'm 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 gonna know when, you know, I need to add black voices. But I wasn't aware of the Hispanic voice, You know, I wasn't aware of the LGBTQ um, voices, or you know, people with disabilities. You know, or things like that. And, and and so when they sat down with me, it just made me it made me realize how. How much that, you know, I, I need to look to, to make sure that the stories are diverse and really reflect in the community that we live in. You
2: know, I saw a cartoon that I thought really captured this. Um, and it was in The Onion, which is, of course, it's a satirical news outlet. But it showed, uh, uh, you know, it was a panel. And on the left was this white family up on a hill, in a beautiful neighborhood. And then there's railroad tracks that go down the center of the cartoon, like the other side of the tracks. And then on the other side of the tracks, you see like burning police cars and trash and graffiti and, you know, broke boarded up windows. And there's a per- family of color over there. And the white family is saying to the black family, uh, we don't see color. Uh, and and that's a common thing people say is like, well, you know, we're just doing our job. We're, we're not racist. I don't mean journalists, but I just mean in general, people will say, I don't see color. Why would you go look for voices of color? That seems racist in itself. Well, the truth is in all of society, uh, the people who have the dominant paradigm, the people in control of institutions, never think anything is wrong. <laughs> it's the status quo seems to be working for them. Um, but our communities, and Bob, you know, um, I worked, I oversaw Flint, Saginaw, and Bay City for several years before MLive started. And so I would go to work every day in Saginaw and, and Flint and see the, the problems facing the community and also see the opportunities in the community and the good things that are happening with Black-owned businesses and neighborhood groups and the pastors groups. And then you'd go say, is that being reflected in our coverage? Is that showing up in the newspaper? Um, or are we just covering city council, just covering the county board and taking press releases on crime and running mug shots? <laughs> and so even though we are strapped right now, uh, we're working harder than ever with fewer people, you do have to step back and, and say, oh, we're responsible for it. Portraying a community in all of its dimensions. And uh, the only way to do that is to challenge ourselves, step back, but also involve all of our employees. And especially those who live in the communities, or in Bob's case, grew up in those communities. So, you know, Bob, I don't know, growing up in Saginaw, did you feel uh, a kinship with the Saginaw news or feel like your communities and neighborhoods were being reflected in the way that you were living?
1: So I, um, I, I I grew up reading the the Saginaw News um, as a kid. So when I when I got my internship and I got a chance to see some of the bylines of those people in person, they were like superstars for me. <laughs> but I, I I really didn't think about it as as a kid. You know, I I really didn't think about it when I when I was a kid. I just read the news. It, it was when I got older. That I start realizing, you know, once people start asking me questions, once I became a reporter, that's when it started. Um, it started showing that oh wait okay I never thought about that. You know, to me, news is just news, and um, it, it's just been maybe within the last eight years that you know um, this it's become something that. That I've, that I've come
2: to realize. Well, news sometimes drives itself. Bank gets robbed, a uh, tornado hits, we go cover it. If the tornado hits a house of a white person, that's who we talk to. But a lot of what we do, the topics we choose, uh, the themes in a the community that we wanna talk about um, are, are up to us, it's our discretion to choose what issues and, and policies and, and things to examine and and issues to write about. And that's where we have to hold ourselves accountable and bring more diverse voices into those stories and into those discussions and in the way we portray them in in our news coverage, uh, stories and videos, photographs, all of that. So Bob, I know there's been some discussion in the employee groups about how to better reflect sources in our communities. I know uh, one idea was that we would track down to you know demographic and and, and race and all that the sources that we're using in stories, so that I mean even as just a test to see over a period of time how many diverse voices that we're getting and as I was saying sometimes breaking news you just cover the news but when we cover topics that we have a choice to cover and find sources that we have but uh, it's up to us to decide uh, that may be that may have some merit so from a reporter's perspective. You know, what do you think some of the things are that we could do to hold that mayor up to our our communities a little bit better?
1: Um well again, like you said, when it's breaking news, it's breaking news. And you know, a lot of times now, a lot of the news is breaking news. Um, but I don't I'm I'm not sure. Just you know, make 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 reporters aware, I guess our managers are editors could, 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 you know, look through stories, be, you know. Is there a way to be a little more diverse in the story Um, without forcing it, without making it look like, you know, we're forcing this. We're definitely, we definitely need to get a minority voice in here. You know, sometimes it's not warranted, but on on some issues, um, we just, we just got to be cognizant and be aware of what our community looks like and, and get those voices to reflect it. Um, it's not going to be easy all the time, um, and again, we don't want to make it look like this is something that we forcing because you know um, the whole country has turned to this um, "let's be more diverse" uh, thing. Now, you know, everybody is on this wave, and um, just need to. I, I, it's up to the reporters and, and editors to work together just to realize are there opportunities to really um, reflect what our, what our different communities look like?
2: Yeah. We, we had a couple examples last year that our employees noticed where it was clearly a story about minority issues or minority concerns. And like the photo that we ran had two white people talking about it <laughs> and it, it wasn't done intentionally. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't like, Hey, let's, uh, you know, find a photo that really contradicts what we're trying to show. It was a handout photo from like a chamber or something, but we, we didn't, we didn't think, you know, we didn't stop and think and doing the right thing. Often, especially when it's a matter of a large societal change, doesn't come with a playbook. It doesn't come with an instruction manual. So sometimes you take false steps. Sometimes you go a little too far, but if you're moving in the right direction, if your ears to the ground, if you're listening to your communities and you're listening to your employees, I think you're gonna end up in the right place. And that's where I'd characterize where we are right now as a company. And the larger company is putting some investment resources into diversity. Uh, I'm not at liberty right now because we're still developing the plans, but it, it's a it's a broad program that will touch on all of our communities at a local level. It will t- touch on our newsrooms and our employees, the way we recruit, the way we train and develop people, and the way that we portray people in our stories. So. We'll have more about that in the future. But right now, as I say, the the most important thing is to listen to our communities, our readers, and our employees. So, so I agree, I totally agree with that. You know, one thing you said earlier in the discussion, Bob, I just want to pick up on, this isn't simply a black-white issue, um, although obviously in American social politics that's kind of a fault line. But this also is uh, Asian Americans, Hispanics, we have Middle Eastern, we have a number of Middle Eastern employees, um, people of different cultures and backgrounds, whether they're first generation or third, uh, gay people, um, people like we're even talking about gender pronouns in our our coverage. Just the awareness of that, I have to tell you, 20 years ago in a newsroom, there was no discussion on this to be found anywhere, Mm -hmm. and the fact that we're having these discussions is a positive thing for our industry, but I think also for our society, and no great change comes without pain. It's like Velcro tearing apart. And I think we're seeing that in American society. But uh, like I said, doing the right thing um, is, is what it's about. And, and so we'll, we'll continue to work toward it. I'm very, very grateful that, to have you, Bob, and have you on our employee discussion group. And also as a reporter, too. Because, uh, yeah, and Eric, I just want to touch on this. Bob's a non-traditional, He came to us a little bit later in life but he was from Saginaw. He is Saginaw. Saginaw knows him and he knows Saginaw and uh, we invested in Bob because he had that connection to the community and the thing we have to do as industry is not make that the exception or the anomaly. That has to be the way in the future that we we have these roots in these communities and understand our our reader base and the issues there. So, but Bob is the avatar for doing this stuff the right way And, and so Bob hats off to you and thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Thank,
1: thank, thank you for everything I've learned because I've learned all of my journalism through <laughs> through working for the company.
0: And there they go. Thank you to Bob Johnson for joining the episode today. And, of course, to John Heiner, my co-host. As always, guys, if you like what you're hearing and you like this podcast, there's a couple things you can do for us. You can um, put the podcast in a playlist on Spotify or you can give us a review on iTunes. Both of those help people discover it. And if you'd like to share the podcast with someone in your life who you think would dig it. As always, my name is Eric Culcoran. He is John Heiner. And this is Behind the Headlines.